30 minute mark, hour mark. Another wonderful episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance is upon this evening, this wonderful Saturday evening, uh, a couple days after we would normally do the show of Wednesday at 7. Sorry, this has been a crazy set of weeks because of the holidays. All of us have real jobs. All of us have families to get to and hang out with. So we still want to provide good content, talk about wrestling, talk about geek-related stuff. So. We're happy to have the show for you, and today will basically be our end-of-the-year review in which me and my wonderful co-host, Christopher, which I'll pass to in a second, will go over basically our, our favorite professional wrestlers, male, female, tag teams, and also our favorite matches of the last year, and just talk about 2018 in wrestling. And I'm I'm really excited about that. Chris, are are you excited to talk wrestling today in this last year? Uh, cue the soundboard for Oh hell yeah. Yeah, I'm excited, dude. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I mean, since uh WWE got really bad past like two months. So I've been looking forward to our two thousand eighteen uh rundown show. I'm Stoked on it. How about you, dude? How how was your holidays? It was good, man. Very relaxing. I've gotten a lot of stuff accomplished. You know, when you got a when you have an awesome uh, work that gives you awesome time for the holidays, you get to make up all the errands that you've been putting off uh, for the last fucking year, and then cram them all into like a week and a half and try to get them done. So that's what I've been doing, and I'm almost done with that. And so now I can finally chill, relax, and talk about wrestling this last year. And, you know, in doing so, in us going over this last year, I've been able to get a chance to go back and watch some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about. And I think that's one of the more exciting things. I'll admit some of the more highlight packages uh, provided by YouTube. Thank you so much for that. They can just kind of skim through everything. And I also rewatched my top five favorite matches to really get a grasp on those said matches. Uh, did you do kind of the same thing, Chris? Have you have you gotten a chance to really uh, get back in the spirit of wrestling in 2018? I really did. Uh, yeah, my number one match I definitely rewatched. Uh, my number two match I definitely rewatched. Watched highlights. Rest of them, very fond in my mind. There were some good matches. Really good matches. Some might even say five star matches to be able to talk about later. I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the match segment of the show. 
Yeah, exactly. Actually, we have someone that knows a lot about five stars uh, uh, here with us for you to um, interview, Chris. You know, just put upon you. Uh, we have the Wrestling Observer himself. So uh, take it away. Uh, Chris, it's been uh, such a wonderful year. I'm so happy that you're, uh, you know, interviewing me tonight. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, it's a pleasure, Dave. Like, it's, it's really great to have you on the show. You know, whenever I think about wrestling, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, you know, is, is Okada and Omega and their style, it just, it's just ridiculous. It's just crazy. All right, we're not going to do that anymore. That bit's over. Anyway, <laughs> just sit back, sit back and chill, and let us start this wonderful uh, talking, talking of, of wrestling. Uh, but before we do that, I wanted to mention one of our many amazing – um, sponsors for the show. This one being a awesome discount code that you guys can do with a app called SeatGeek. And if you guys have never heard of SeatGeek, I don't know what rock you were sleeping under, but just to let you know a little bit about them. SeatGeek, that's a that's S E A T G E E K, is an app in which you can go and be able to search whatever you're trying to go to as far as, you know, maybe it's live theater, maybe it's a concert. Maybe it's some type of sporting event, professional wrestling, obviously, you know, any of those type of things. The opera, uh, you can find it, you know, very simply, very easily, the amount of people per party, you know, setting up what section you want to sit in with this app of SeatGeek. So I would definitely recommend downloading it. It's a hell of a lot easier than trying to go through Ticketmaster and putting all your information and everything. It, it, that, that's a big hassle compared to this. And for right now, we have a code that can be used by any of you guys out there for $20 off your first purchase. Just use Geek Vibes. The uh, code itself is G-E-E-K-V-I-B-E-S. That's G-E-E-K-V-I-B-E-S, Geek Vibes. So, like I said, guys, download the Seek Geek app. Check them out online. Do your first purchase. You get $20 off by using Geek Vibes as a promo code. Um, unfortunately, um, for a year of a lot of, um, you know, positive things within wrestling, we also unfortunately lost, uh, some wrestlers. So I kind of wanted to pay my respects to a list of wrestlers. I'm sure I'm going to miss some. I apologize. It's definitely not what I'm trying to do. I just kind of wanted to honor those and pay a memoriam. Um, so with that said, I, I have pretty much alphabetized, uh, some of these guys, Big Bully Busick, Brian Christopher Lawler, a.k.a. Grandmaster Sexay, son of uh, Jerry Lawler, Brickhouse Brown, the living legend himself, the great Bruno San Martino, Jim the Anvil Nightheart, Johnny Valiant, the Dynamite Kid, Masa Sato, Matt Cra- uh, Capitelli, Nikolai Volkov, Paul Jones, the Rockin' Rebel, and Big Van Vader. Rest in peace, guys. Um, all right, and so now that I went over that semi-depressing, um, you know, set of stuff, you got, you got to, you got to represent those who have passed. So, as we pass within our conversation, let's move on to our male competitors. Does that sound good, Chris? You want to talk about the best yeah. wrestling dudes? Yeah, I'm ready to talk about. Yes, 
<laughs> All right. So um, I think that we should do this. I'm trying to think, actually. Yeah, let's do two by two by two and then do the top four, if that makes sense. So we're going to do ten and nine. You go. Then I go eight and seven. You go. And we'll go forward from there. All right. So number ten. And, and, and remember, this is going to be, if anyone wants to try to, like, give you the one of those crap, if you're really keeping up that detail with our list that we did not too long ago, which I appreciate. I, I appreciate that effort. You know, let us know. But just to let you guys know, this is not so much our favorite, but, it, you know, me and Chris were trying to base this off of who's had the best year in the past. So that, that might come into reasoning. I'm not going to say that, that that's going to save some of my decisions. I'm just telling you our mindset and why it would be different than our top ten that we did like a month and a half ago. Well, maybe that was a little bit longer. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's been longer. All right. It's been longer. My weeks are turning into each other, and it's great. We're already going to 2019. It will be a new decade very soon. Holy shit. Anyways, while my mind explodes, let me get to my 10 and my 9. Uh, my 10 is going to be Ricochet. I think the man had a breakout year in NXT. Um, he just performed in NXT phenomenally. Uh, his six-way ladder match that he had in which Adam Cole won the North American title, I think that we can all kind of say that he stuck out the most. Uh, that one spot where he's on the ladder, uh, falling off backwards, and he does a backflip to all the other gentlemen on the outside was pretty tremendous. Um, his title match that he won the title against Adam Cole was amazing. Uh, it's one of my favorite matches. I'll even say it's, it's in my top five. Um, just just due to some of the craziness that they, they did, particularly, and we'll go over a little bit more, the spot where uh, he goes for the backflip, Adam Cole uh, delivers a super kick to the throat, and then later on when he does the Hurricane Rana over the ropes, sending Adam Cole to the ground, to the outside. Just crazy stuff. And uh, Ricochet, even though, I mean, he has the North American title, I mean, you would think that they would progress him for the main title. I think this next year he's going to be an example of someone that's going to do some crazy stuff, and especially when he gets closer and closer to the main roster. Uh, number nine was the Velveteen Dream. Um, the Dream has something that we've talked about, and it's like it doesn't matter if the majority of his matches are losses. The ones that he's a part of, people talk about, and they're usually talking about him more so than his opponent. And that was, a, it was very apparent with his match against Ricochet. Uh, his one against Tommaso Ciampa was awesome, probably testing his limits the most. The fact that we keep on saying this, this, guy, this kid is like 21-22, and he's come this far, you know, in such a short amount of time, I think shows a lot of growth. His math, match with Gargano in which he beat him was an awesome match. Uh, yeah, 10 and 9, both NXT wrestlers, Ricochet and Velveteen Dream. Hit it to me, Chris. What do you got for your 10 and 9? <laughs> oh, I feel bad that I haven't uh, ranked so high on my list, but Hiroshi Tanahashi is my number 10. I thought he had an amazing great G1, even an appearance in Tekken, if you like Tekken, get some Tanahashi. Um, and then my number nine, Kota Ibushi, who I thought had a breakout year. to easily climb up this list very, very, very fast as far as uh, 
well, we'll get to that later as far as breakout and what we really want to do in the future. But Kota Ibushi, Golden Lovers, was a great gimmick, a really good build up. I think they had a really, really well done feud with the Young Bucks. My, uh, my opinion. So, Rishi Tanahashi and Kota Ibushi. And uh, Tanahashi could have easily been further up the list, but it's a tough list to make in general. Um, sorry, Tomahashi. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> I think he will. Un- I think the ace will understand, Chris. Don't worry. All right, and I do agree with this. You will see them in a similar, uh, well, in a different placement, but you'll see they they made my list basically. But we'll we'll continue. Uh, my eight and my seven. Eight. I'm going to give to Seth Rollins. Uh, Monday Night Rollins. Uh, we started. Well, into the year, maybe actually it was after, I believe, Mania, but that gauntlet match that he had uh, on Raw that he won, I, I'm pretty sure he started, was ridiculous. I, I believe he was in the ring for over an hour. It was He put a record, basically, on the amount of time that a wrestler was in the ring on Monday Night Raw, um, which is pretty astonishing. I think that, you know, uh, he's, he's made the Intercontinental Championship higher, um, and they, he keeps on dropping it to people that kind of takes it into a lower direction, and they keep on putting him in his thing to make that a, a more prestigious title. Basically, kind of the title of Monday Night Raw since, obviously, Brock Lesnar's dominated um, the Universal title. So I, I think that Seth has had a pretty damn good year. He's had some awesome matches. He's had a little bit of uh, stuff thrown his way that, you know, this Ambrose stuff mainly towards the end, but I think that he's going to recover and pull through. And I think he's also going to be someone that's going to have an amazing year next year. Same thing with number seven for me, Pentagon Jr. Pentagon, he had some very memorable matches. He won the Impact World title. He won the Lucha Underground uh, title on both respective brands. He had some amazing matches like the one with him, Phoenix, and Austin Aries in which he won the title to begin with. For Impact, the one that he had with Sammy Callahan, and also his match against Kenny Omega. Um, if he wasn't one of the top stars in non WWE, like in that conversation for the top five beforehand, I think after this year, he's definitely up there. Uh, and I think that he's also, like I said, going to have an amazing year next year. So, like I said, eight, Seth Rollins, seven, Pentagon Jr. What do you got for eight and seven, Chris? For number eight, I have the Velveteen Dream. I thought that he had an amazing year. I thought he had some really great matches. One of his matches was on my top five matches of the year. Um, absolutely incredible. Uh, I just expected him to be booked a little differently, would be my only complaint. But uh, Patrick Clark Jr. has really uh, shown that he can be a star and will be a star forward. I there's nothing about this man that I that doesn't scream superstar And I think Velveteen Dream by far might be the best talent that he actually has. They have some good at talent. I definitely think they have good talent on the main roster, but the, the natural charisma, everything that he uses, uh there's Something very special about them. Um, and then, obviously, my next 
in line. Uh, and NATO, amazing year once again. Really good G1. Uh, <clears throat> further establishing himself as the top of Japan. I still think he is one of their most charismatic and biggest heels. Um, I think they can do more with him. It's going to be very interesting to see where Kenny Omega lands on should I stay or should I go now, so to speak. <laughs> but uh, I think that he will be a top star there for a very long time, and I thought he had a very good year with a lot of awesome matches. So uh, props on Nato. Oh, yeah, that one against him and Kota Ibushi where he was thrown on his neck like 50 fucking times. He's had one hell of a crazy ass year. Amazing matches to see you tonight, though. Um, all right, let's let's continue. I got six and five. Uh, it's actually, I think you're, you're ten and nine, actually. Kota Ibushi, just everything with the Golden Lovers, his performance throughout the whole entire G1, his match with Ishii, his match with Kenny Omega, his finals match with Tanahashi, even though he lost. Uh, the fact that he won the Never Open Weight title, and honestly, since uh, Suzuki has, I think, brought that title up from a lull period like it's had, um, I mean, Kota Ibushi is just showing that, you know, there are only a couple of people that can move in the ring like him going on right now, like your Will Ospreys, your Ricochets, your Phoenixes. He's up there. He's he's a freak of nature, and I think that he's going to have an even better year next year. Five is Tanahashi, Hiroshi Tanahashi. He won the G1. Um, he he formed the uh, new mega powers, if you will, with Kazuchika Okada. Had a great match. Uh, his match against Okada, his match against Ibushi, his match against Suzuki during the G1 tournament. All of them incredible matches. And it's been a really good lead up for Wrestle Kingdom as far as the ace the 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 guy that the veteran, if you will, being able to take back that title in a very serious, realistic manner, and I think that he's killing it. Um, but yeah, so Kota Ibushi and Tanahashi. Uh, so I'm about to go into my number four, but before that, obviously, Chris, go into your number four. Take it away. Well, I'm not going to go my number four. I'll go into my uh, what six. And oh five. yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I'm on autopilot, man. <laughs> um, Adam Cole, baby! What a year. What a year for Mr. Adam Cole. I think that he broke out in a way that we expected. The NXT fans respond. He had some great matches. I mean, all the NXT takeover stuff that Adam Cole has done has been much money. Even some of the overseas stuff he's done has been money. Just amazing. And uh, my number five with a bullet, Tomasa Ciampa. Probably one of the greatest heels in the industry today. Uh, you know, it's really funny because Gargano did not make my list, but Ciampa did. And Ciampa has just been that I feel like he's carried that feud. I want to see him do I think he can expand that character. I, I, he just, there's something visceral about him and the way he attacks his opponents and um, the way he approaches the ring and his style. There, there's something very specific about Ciampa I like a lot. Um, his promo is really good. So, uh, he brought it out my thoughts. Uh, 
Um, I think you broke up a little bit uh, towards the end there, man. If you want to repeat that last sentence, I want to make sure I'm not losing you. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, I was just saying, is Chapa? I, I I think he had a really great year. Um, the Blackheart oh, okay. himself, well deserved having the title in lap clap. Like, I'm very proud of Chapa. Not someone I thought would be as good as he is where he's at, but I'm very appreciative of everything he's doing for wrestling. Right now. He is holding it down as the number one heel in the wrestling business. For sure, at least in my opinion. Absolutely, I completely agree with you on that. Um, I'm actually his better half is my number four, uh, Johnny Gargano. I know. Listen, I understand, Dane. Why are you putting someone that high on the list that's had so many losses? And it actually does kind of matter to him more so than I would say Velveteen Dream. But Johnny Gargano has had this character change, the dynamic at the beginning of him coming back getting a title shot, having that amazing match with Andrade Cianamas, um, losing inevitably and going back down a, 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 a more narrow path and basically succumbing to the, the dark side of Tommaso Ciampa screwing with him. All three matches, my favorite being the street fight that they had, um, were incredible. His, his match with Almas was incredible. Uh, his match with uh, the Velveteen Dream was great. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. And then there's two matches with Aleister Black, the, the, one, the last one to take over and the cage match. I think that Johnny Gargano, there is an argument to be said that he's up there for someone that has had consistently great matches, even though he's only like one, probably three of them. <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, for that, he is my number four. Uh, and, and Chris, what's your number four? I'm, I'm, I'm right this time. I, you're on four? Right. Number four is Samoa, yeah, my number four is Samoa Joe. It is not match quality, but what he's able to put over from and he literally has taken over SmackDown as a bullet. There's no close to him. He tries to do a lot of other stuff with other heels that make them Samoa Joe, but Samoa Joe is just still Samoa Joe. Like uh <laughs> Joe is going to kill you. He still has that vibe. It's great. Um, Smojo always brilliant. And I, like I said, this isn't ring quality. It's just my top ten. I think Smojo, if they give him time to work in the ring, they give him a Daniel Bryan or an AJ Styles, <clears throat> something that really matters, uh, Smojo is going to knock it out. So I, I had him really high on my list. I thought his promo work... Um, Especially in WWE, it's really hard. Yeah, like Adam Cole, AJ Styles, the Daniel Bryan's of the world. It's really hard to stand out. I I thought he would stand out as far as promos to accomplish the very short amount of time last year because he came back from an injury. So uh, some of Joe's high on my list. That. that Yeah, Samoa Joe definitely, when it comes to promos, the Hey Wendy promo was probably one of the best ones this year. Um, I would definitely say that. And, I mean, here's the thing, is that when it comes to Joe, yeah, he might not have had some of the craziest matches in his career, but all of them are pretty solid. His performance inside the ring, like always, has been good. So I could definitely see him as a strong person to be on anyone's list. Um, unfortunately, he did not make my list, uh, but – Someone that he was feuding with was my number three, 
Mr. AJ Styles. The dude held the title for 371 days, consistently performed, uh, unlike, uh, well, basically the Brock Lesnar on the other end. And he put on great matches with feuds that weren't that great. He basically turned chicken salad from chicken shit a lot of times and was able to still show that he's one of the greatest performers right now, uh, you know, in wrestling still at 41. And, uh, yeah, you know, AJ Styles from Gainesville, Georgia. He's my number three. Chris, what do you got? Oh, my number three. This one was tough. My number three is also AJ Styles. <laughs> and he is from Gainesville, Georgia. Uh, AJ Styles is my number three. Same reasons you see. Uh, absolutely. I mean, never puts on a bad performance. Um, just a great baby face, honestly. Like, he really is. I don't think he plays heel very well. I know that he rocked that New Japan with Bullet Club. He's just a he, you just want to root for him. He's a good old boy, so to speak. But, uh, like, incredible matches. He never puts on a bad performance. Even if he's, like you said, chicken ch- chicken shit, chicken salad, he does that night in. And, you know, he's incredible. Let's just go, let's just go that route. Like, AJ Styles is fucking incredible. He had a great year with, uh, watching him hold Kind of incredible considering what WWE is. Yeah, that was. All right. My number two, and I think a lot of people are going to expect me to put this as number one, it was uh, Kenny Omega. I think Kenny had a great year. His match with Okada at Dominion was amazing. I don't know if it's. I still think, and people are going to say I'm crazy, but the first match they had, I think, at least resonates the most. I think they did amazing throughout all the course of the matches, uh, including this one. It's just, um, I mean, that match, and we'll get over it, is fucking nuts. That was at Dominion. That was actually a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, everything at the G1, I mean, everything that he's been a part of with, with the Elite and everything that they're doing with him, Cody, and the Young Bucks specifically, those four, I mean, they might as well be the new four horsemen and just announced, if you will. Um but, yeah, and then all in, all the matches that you won, that crazy fucking match that he had with Akota Ibushi that was kind of hard to watch. Uh, and Kenny's going to go into next year having an amazing match with Tanahashi. Um, but, yeah, who's your number two, Chris? My number two is Kazuchika Okada. He fell from one to two, finally. <laughs> it took two years, but he finally made number two of my Um. And the biggest reason is they're reworking him. They're trying to figure out what to do with Okada. Okada had some of the best matches this year. He's, there's two matches. There's three or four matches if we get a top ten that all in five, like all involved in Okada. Okada was um, probably the best New Japan champion of all time. I feel like I can easily say that. I feel bad about it. Okada is an amazing character. So great. The work he did, uh, you know, anti his manager and the stuff he did kind of Hashi after, he, he he's really turned a corner, and I I want to see the rise of Okada as like your super guy. 
because I think it can be that. And and it really makes me hope that, you know, Mega and guys get to be the heels for Okada. I think Okada can be the... I mean, obviously, the John Cena or the Rock or the Stone Cold is the answer, but I, I think Okada is more than I think he is. And, uh, incredible. I I don't think I've seen him have a have a bad match, even with like, you know, the triple threat tag team matches that he can throw into that I absolutely hate. He's still like he the guy doesn't have a bad match. So he makes number two for me. All right. And now it leads to my number one. Um it's the Blackheart. Man, Tommaso Ciampa, he has impressed me so much as becoming, like Chris said earlier, the top heel within the industry in such a very short time. Uh, his matches, all three of them with Johnny Gargano, especially the first two, were all great matches. He's kind of pulled uh, similar vibes to the game Triple H and even like a, the heel Terry Funk back in the day you know, just taking different qualities of an old-school heel and just turning it up a notch. And all his manipulating, uh, how he he manipulated Gargano with his match with Black to help him win, just turning the the, the baby face of fucking Johnny freaking wrestling into what he is now, uh, winning the title, uh, his match with the Velveteen Dream. Um, Just, I think that Ciampa has had, when it comes to having great matches, being at the top of his, you know, territory, if you will, and just the work as a character, I think that he's had the, arguably to me, the biggest year. Uh, but I think it, him, him and Omega, for me, were really hard to pick between. I just kind of went, ended up picking Champa. But, uh, Chris, what do you got for number one for your male competitors? My number one with a bullet. <laughs> number one with a bullet is Kenny Omega. He finally made number one on my list. It took him a while, but he finally got there. Um, just incredible matches. Incredible matches all throughout the G1. Um, Omega, Okada, and two out of three falls. He had the fact that he, um, all the work he's done on YouTube, even like the Street Fighter convention day, like, I feel like he has had the best year out of all wrestlers, generally. Both. both both in the ring and like publicity wise, he's been untouchable. Omega has been untouchable. And I think he will continue to be untouchable until you know it's when super kicks him off that throne. But he's uh he's been fucking incredible. And um, I really wanna know what they do in Japan. Um, with the contract signings up. You have NATO and Okada sitting there and you know it's on it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But for me right now, Omega accomplished what he accomplished, which is to win the Japan title. You also have the looming uh, threat of them starting their own wrestling. Um, he's just the most, I mean, he's the best in the world right now, honestly. And that's hard to, that it surpasses wrestling at some because I think Okada is the best wrestler. He will continue to be the best wrestler in the world. 
Blood Road Mega has fantastic, absolutely great matches. And I mean, he's the number one free agent in the world. If he goes on time, that'd be it's hard not to talk about. So um, it was hard for me with one and two because I wouldn't know God or Omega. But uh, this year, Omega crazy enough. But he deserves it. Well deserved. Absolutely. Kenny Omega had one hell of a year. Before we move on, um, I also want to mention some honorable mentions for myself. Uh, Cody, uh, you know, outside of just wrestling, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that Cody's had a great year. Daniel Bryan has come back uh, and now turning this new heel direction. Zack Sabre Jr. had some incredible matches last year. Will Ospreay uh, going in a completely different direction. Kazuchi Okada, it was hard for him not to be in my uh, countdown. Andrade Cien Almas, when he was NXT champion at the beginning of this year. Uh, Walter had a breakthrough year. Adam Cole, in all of Undisputed Era for that matter. Aleister Black had a great comeback after his injury. Uh, Sammy Callahan and Tatsuya Naito. Uh, Chris, did you have any honorable mentions you wanted to mention real quick? I mean, honorable mentions, obviously, Daniel Bryan. Like, Daniel Bryan, I think, uh, deserves respect. Uh, You know been a weird year for me um i i think uh yeah like right off the bat daniel bryan's one uh, the honorable mentions i don't have that but daniel bryan i, I he had an easy list but uh talking about body of work for him obviously yep absolutely i think that what we can you know kind of come to conclusion that anyone that makes our list, in our opinion, is on fire. And with the cold weather nowadays, it's kind of important to make sure that, that, you, that you're warm, that you're on fire. Not, not technically on fire, but you're feeling that warmth in the, this, this cold, cold climate. So one of our sponsors, thankfully for you, is Action Heat. Uh, Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing, Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently – I can never get that word – safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to a heated car seat. They can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by a rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion battery that lasts up to 12 hours on each charge. Action Heat batteries can also be used to recharge your phone or any other gadget while you're wearing them. Perk for any friend or family on the holiday gift list. Great for anyone who works outdoors, skiers, snowboarders, or anyone that, that, that the outdoors, they love them, but they don't like the cold aspect. And I think specifically when it comes down to the workers, you know, from outside, I work in a warehouse. We don't have much outside of, like, maybe a heating lamp that we put on once in a while. It stays decently warm, but can get cold in there during the winter. And, you know, even though we're in Georgia, we're about to hit the coldest months of January and February. So I bought the, the Action Heat um, long johns and their socks, and they keep me so warm and toasty. I would definitely recommend it for anyone. And Action Heat clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort, like I just said, for your whole entire body, including heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and undergarments like heated base, layer shirts, and like I said, the long johns. You can stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat. Action Heat is available in men's and women's and has great new styles and models 
just released for this winter season. Make winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth. Action Heat is a perfect solution to keep you toasty and warm, even in the most frigid winter weather. Heated products that fit everyone's budget, starting at about $39.99. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Save 20% off your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash geek, like as in geek vibes. To check out everything Action Heat has to offer, that's actionheat.com slash G-E-E-K, or use the coupon code geek at checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat, and we thank them for sponsoring our podcast. All right, Chris, let's move into a different direction, if you will. If you will, baby. Um, Let's talk about the amazing year that has been with the female wrestlers, primarily, honestly, on WWE. I, I, I feel like, and... You know, correct me if you think I'm wrong or if you have a different opinion on this, that when it came to the wrestling on the main product with Ron SmackDown, mainly SmackDown, I think the women's wrestling division is holding it down over anything else for keeping my eye on the product, um, while obviously the men's division in New Japan and, and even in NXT, it's kind of split 50-50. But when it comes to Ron SmackDown, WWE main, the women's division has been on fire. Do you agree? I I agree 100% with you. I I think WWE's focus on the women's division is what they should do with every division that they have. Um, They've hard-focused on it. They've created great rivalries, good matches, they're great athletes. The women's division's kind of been crazy with WWE. And like even as a fan of stardom and some other, you know, uh, female wrestlers cross country. One that we'll get an honorable mention later, but uh, yeah, like it's it's been kind of nuts what they've been able to accomplish, and um, hopefully they continue forward with it. Honestly, yeah, I mean it's been really really good. Yeah, and it, it's. Um... I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that there's a good possibility me and Chris might have the same number one. But either way, you know, between evolution, between the development uh, of the uh, the feud between Becky and Charlotte that would then involve Ronda and Asuka, and now the announcements for the tag titles, um, the first women's TLC, you know, the women have brought it up an extra notch and are providing some of the best entertainment and not just in WWE, because if we were to start with my list, my number five goes to Tessa Blanchard. Uh, Tully Blanchard's daughter, um, uh, Magnum TA's niece, credible in-ring performer, extremely young. Uh, she's been one of the things that I have been watching on Impact specifically. Her match that she's put on with Kira Hogan, uh, with Taya Valkyrie, uh, especially um, the last two pay-per-views. Uh, she is awesome in the ring. She's absolutely gorgeous, great athlete, her, you know, winning the all-in match, just a lot of the stuff that she uh, has done, becoming the Impact Women's Championship and holding it for a good chunk of this year. She's a badass. She's someone that's going to have another uh, great year. And honestly, because of where I see the women wrestling going on, on WWE, she's definitely someone I'd like to see in the mix 
in NXT and the main product uh, within the future, next like five years or so. She's young as hell and she has a lot of time. Uh, who's your number five, Chris? My number five is Carrie Zane. Um, I think that she's not quite there yet. She doesn't have the rivalry that you would have with Ember Moon that obviously Oscar had. Ember Moon is very underrated, by the way. She could easily make this list, but they haven't done anything with her. Uh, but yeah, Carrie Zane is my number five. I think she's been a phenomenal wrestler. Those the stuff she's done in NXT is incredible. Uh, and, and that elbow drop is still every time you see it, it's perfect. It's just thing of beauty that crescent elbow drop that she does. It's always been amazing, and will continue to be amazing. I just, uh, they're reloading women talent right now for NXT, and, uh, you know, she really needs the rivalry that, say, an Asuka had with, uh, you know, with uh, Ember Moon. Like, Asuka had really good rivalries with Nia Jax and Ember Moon, and, like, she had something to build through. And Kerry Zane, to me, at least, doesn't have the same, uh, opponents, the same rivalry mentality. But Carrie Zane's great, so she is my number four. Yeah, absolutely. In your opinion, what what looks more crisp between uh, Carrie Zane's elbow drop and Io Shirai's moonsault? Carrie Zane's elbow drop, is, and that is a thing of fucking beauty. It's the greatest elbow drop I've ever seen in my life. The, the half crescent, it's always been, a, even since she was in stardom, that thing has always been fucking amazing. And I was so happy when she came to NXT, but I wanted so much more for her than uh, what they've given her thus far. And I mean, they've given her some good stuff. Like, she's had some good matches, but she's one hell of a wrestler that I expect a lot more out of. It's the same thing with like a, a, a Sami Zayn or a Kevin Owens where I get upset because I know that they're that good and they're just not giving them that quality. It's the same reason Seth Rollins didn't make my top 10 male wrestling. wrestling. Um, because they're not giving, I mean, if they gave him the matches, he would totally make Yeah, I can agree with that. Completely agree. All right. Uh, my number four is actually Asuka. Um, she came in strong, you know, undefeated still. She ha- arguably had the best match with Charlotte, losing her streak at WrestleMania this year. And then she just had a lull period. And I think that, you know, the combination of the TLC match, her getting the, 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 the title and going to the future of trying to revive, you know, her career, I think that she's – going to go into next year much better than she did the year before it uh, with this last. But still, to be said, she was undefeated at the beginning of the year. She had one of the biggest matches at WrestleMania, and she's a badass. She's always performing top-notch, even whatever she's given. Uh, She never just half-asses it or anything like that. So, um, yeah, number four, Asuka. What, What do you got for number four, Chris? Sorry about that. My mute, I hit the mute button on accident. Uh, my number four is also Asuka, believe it or not. Um, she didn't have the year that I, I expected. I think they took away that winning streak too soon. I, I think that was your natural build-up was her and uh, Ronda. It also makes sense with Charlotte. So 
not to get too far into the list, but uh, Oscar had a great year. I mean, really great match for WrestleMania. Amazing match. Um, there's nothing really negative. They just same thing with Shinsuke Nakamura. They don't use her enough. I guess would be my biggest complaint. But every time she's in the ring, she's phenomenal. Like the match that she just had with Charlotte and Becky was great, and she did some amazing stuff. And uh, it really shows off how good you are as a wrestler when you're in like Charlotte. Uh, Flair, who really knows their way around the ropes. I feel like Oscar and Charlotte kind of carried that match. Not saying anything against Becky, because she is also on this list, um, for me at least. But uh, Charlotte and Oscar were the two ring generals, so to speak. And, and, and amazing. They're just both great. Oscar will continue to be great. I just I want them to find her spot and figure out how to use her properly. Yeah. I can agree with that, man. Um, and I think that, hey, if everything's going the way I think it's going, I think we're going to have an incredible, um, some incredible female matches. Because I'm pretty sure the tag titles will be developed by then, you know. Uh, so I'm, I'm assuming that we're going to have Bailey and Sasha going against someone. And then these two matches, uh, unless they decide to bring everything together. But we've talked about that. But we'll see. Um, I'm going to go from number three. I'm sure there's going to be some marks out there that are going to be mad that she's even on my list, but kiss off. (laughs) Uh, That's Ronda Rousey. I think that she's shown so much potential. This last match she had this week with Jim Neidhart, um, or Jim Neidhart, I apologize, uh, RIP to Jim Neidhart, but his wonderful daughter um, was an awesome match. And to, to find out with Natalia, I should say, uh, to find out that they called it all on the fly was pretty damn awesome. They had a good match. She's been kind of scrappy, but she's shown that she wants to do this. She works house shows. She works, you know, with the title and defends it on Monday Night Raws, not every week. She has shown that she's good on the mic, if not given too much dialogue. She is a damn good competitor. She is catching on extremely quick. Um People, Kurt Angle included, compare it with his progression with professional wrestling. And I just think that some of the stuff that she's incorporating with judo and and throwing into this, um, stylistically is going to be looked upon by other wrestlers in the future and tried more so because she kind of brought that into the sport of wrestling. Um, But, yeah, I think Ronda's killing it. Chris, what's your number three? You're going to laugh so hard, but my number three was also Ronda Rousey. <laughs> I mean, my top two are going to be very obvious, but uh, Ronda Rousey definitely, uh, I think, edged out this list in a surprising way. Like, I thought she had an amazing run, especially considering we had very low expectations. I think me and you both had low expectations. We knew she would be a draw. It was a good get for WWE, but we had low expectations for what she would actually accomplish. And I think that she's really put the work in. And uh, the same as you, I think they over they uh, overdraw her promos. They wanted to do way too much. She obviously just needs to be a straight ass with her. Um, but she's been incredible. Like, what she's been able to accomplish, uh, what she's been able to do in the ring, considering her training, has all been amazing. And uh, I think she's still, she's a massive draw. So it's hard not to throw her in a list of top five because 
feel like, you know, even my wife, like, really loves her own routing. She doesn't really, you know, I mean, she likes wrestling, but she doesn't really care about wrestling. Um, and that, that goes a long way. It's like, who is she drawing in that's not wrestling? And, uh, you know, it's like the same thing with, like, uh, Hulk Hogan or anyone else. Like, I think Wanda could be, like, a female Hulk Hogan uh, if used properly. And, obviously, she's got to work some things out. I, and I think she's doing a little too much of it, honestly. A couple suplexes. She should take a little page out of Brock Lesnar's book. Maybe not be... Well, I don't want to say boring, because Brock Lesnar also had some awesome matches this year. Um, and could have easily made the top out of hard, but uh, you get what I'm saying. Like she needs to dial it back a bit, and really, really dial it up for someone like a Charlotte Flair or a Becky Lynch or a, you know whoever the top competitor is. Uh, but yeah, she's been absolutely incredible, and she was also my number three. On the list. I, I think she's been great. They just need to give her less to work. Which sounds kind of crazy, but she is that character. She doesn't need that much to work. She's a legitimate athlete. So she doesn't need a whole lot. No, and I, I agree with you, man. Um, I'm I'm like that, too. She's good at selling. I'll, I'll give her that. She's very natural at it. She she gets it. Um, and she shouldn't be doing it that much, though. So she should be much more domineering, much much not as articulate. She doesn't have to be like, I like, I like the example of Goldberg. I think that is a good example to kind of give her and granted she's come a hell of a lot quicker in the amount of time that Goldberg did at his start with professional wrestling. But when it comes to the dynamic of the, the presence, you know, instead of trying to, to project it as a Brock Lesnar or, or these other type of people that have been thrown around with her, I think Goldberg is a good person undefeated, dominant, take the smiles a little bit out of there. You know, I don't need to see her fucking smile as much. But either way, she's doing a, a great job. All right, let's get to my number two. Charlotte, woo, Flair. Anyone want to talk shit about the queen? You're just exposing yourself that you don't know what the fuck you're talking about is all I have to say. No, she did not make number one. I think it's pretty apparent who my number one is. But Charlotte has shown through the last several matches, some of which she didn't even win, that she actually a majority of them, that she is the workhorse in the WWE. She is willing to put her body on the line, I think more so than most female competitors and male competitors out there for WWE. Um, you know, the match she had with Evolution with Becky was absolutely incredible, last man standing. And the fact that she took a powerbomb from the top ropes down to the ground with just the table breaking her fall, the, the, the senton to the, the table with Becky on it, you know, uh, at TLC, taking that huge bump with the ladder with that leg drop from Becky when the friggin' uh, table wouldn't even, you know, give out. Uh, it just, just besides that, she's always, she always brings her game. She's gone up several notches with, the way she works the mic. She's bringing her own and still throwing a little bit of throwback to her dad with her ego, with her attitude, her, you know, going from having the championship belt, having all these problems with Becky, coming back, you know, and then having that match with Ronda, you know, where she was chosen by Becky to go defend her, losing it. The momentum of Charlotte, she's not a baby face. She's not a heel. She's embracing that middle ground. 
and I think she's doing a fucking great job. Uh, just so many badass matches. Yeah, Charlotte Flair. What do you got for number two, buddy? Number two, I think I have your number one. I have Becky Lynch at number two. I think that she had a breakout year um, in a way that I didn't expect. She's phenomenal in the ring. I think she's had some great matches, like you said, specifically with Charlotte. Um, and even her, like, she's had some matches with Naomi that was really good. Becky's always been a really great wrestler. Um, I think this new personality suits her. I hated it to begin with because I think that she could have just done what she was doing, but better if they booked her right. And it wouldn't have made like the Charlotte Flair uh, situation they're in as weird as it is, but she's been phenomenal. Like every match she's had has been great. Um, Love Becky. And uh, yeah, that that was my number two is Becky. Well, I think, like I said, I kind of gave away who my number one was. It's the man herself, Becky Lynch. The comeback story of Becky Lynch. The fact that people wanted her to be, you know, this dominant in WWE, I think, hasn't been done really since Daniel Bryan. Uh, that same type of aura. You know, the fact that when she lost uh, to Charlotte uh, for the title, also with Carmella in that match, just her breaking, and the fact that even her and the audience did not want her to become heel. She didn't go fully in that direction. Then even though it caused concussion, everything that happened with Ronda and Nia, her being this dominant, uh, yeah, I'm going to say it because I don't think there's anything wrong with Stone Cold-like concept, building up herself, winning the title, um, inevitably losing the title to Asuka, but I think that's going to do more to have her against Ronda Rousey in the future, which will be a great dynamic build-up for Mania if they go that route. And just her and Charlotte, uh, they're back and forth. Her making a term called the man, breaking it off of a saying from Ric Flair, and really just becoming this dominant force. Uh, Yeah, I just think that Becky has had the best year in women's uh, just because she's done so much and come such a long way of being somewhat in me- mediocrity uh, a bit uh, before it. So, yeah, that was fun. Um, I'm going to name my honorable mention, and I'll let Chris name anyone else. Um, definitely want to name Kari Sane, Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai, Jordan Grace, uh, Tia Valkyrie, Miko Satamura, Bianca Belair, and Tony Storm. Those ladies are all going to do, and Rhea Ripley for that matter, those ladies are all going to do amazing next year. And uh, I'm really happy that women's wrestling is being taken as seriously as men's wrestling. You got any honorable mentions, man, for women? Honorable mentions. The Session Moth. She is the best. If you haven't seen her wrestle, check her out. Um, Also, you hit most of my other honorable mentions, except for Tony Storm. I think she's garbage. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> Call you out. What? I, I, think, I think you're kind of bad. <laughs> but uh, on a good note, well, you my are... number one with a bullet. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Whoa! Hold on, hold on. You, don't like... you don't like Tony Storm? No, I don't. I don't like the Rosie the Riveter gimmick. Like, as bad. You're getting Tony Storm She's... mixed with some... You're getting it mixed up with uh, the chick that's going to Maine. 
Tony Storm, I'm talking about the Australian chick that was that one May Young classic that is in uh, NXT UK right now. She's like 22. She's like, uh, I'm gonna send. I'm gonna Sorry, send you a picture. I'm not talking about Lacey Evans. Jesus Christ, man. That's who I was thinking about. Tony Storm is such a better uh, name for Lacey Evans, though. Honestly. Oh uh, yeah. Say right. number one. Sorry, I Tony apologize. Storm. Go back to that. No, 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 you're right. You're right. Apologize. But Tony Storm. <laughs> me thinking she was Lacey Evans. Tony Storm, you're probably a really great wrestler. I need to watch more of you. <laughs> Lacey Evans, on the other hand, hot garbage. <laughs> All right. My number one with a bullet. Woo! Charlotte Flair. She's amazing. She's incredible. She puts on the best matches consistently with whoever they throw in the ring with her. Uh, she's consistently proved that she can be a top dog. It doesn't matter if something is thrown off a skew. She punched Rod Rousey like... She went heel on Rousey, even though it didn't make sense for the storyline, but it didn't matter because it is Charlotte Flair. And uh, Charlotte Flair's great, even though I'm not super fan of their storyline, but uh, like it. Like uh, Charlotte Flair. She's still the best female competitor. I want someone to prove me otherwise. Like uh, Asuka's good, Carrie Zane's good. They're both great, great female wrestlers. But Charlotte Flair, what she's able to do in the ring, her, uh, just her chemistry with other wrestlers. What she's been able to accomplish as a female athlete in the wrestling world has been absolutely incredible. And she's going to be my number one until someone knocks her off the pedestal. Maybe it'll be Becky, maybe it'll be Rhonda, who knows. But uh, Charlotte, she, when she steps between those ropes, she is that. She is her dad. She is uh, the GOAT as far as female wrestlers go. Yeah, don't you love it that people equate how great she is because she's not the greatest person at doing a moonsault? Fucking marks. But yeah, I think Charlotte has to be the, the best greatest. female athlete. How many, female how many athlete. females are doing moonsaults? It's like her and Asuka and Carrie Zane. It's like, I mean, like, honestly, she's doing a moonsault to the outside, Chris, not Chris, hoping not someone Chris. will catch her. It's not. No, what do you mean? Is she, she has to hope that Sasha catches her or like Bailey catches her. They're not the same size as Charlotte. <laughs> like Charlotte, like I know it goes understated, but Charlotte is six foot tall. Like she, she is a uh, athlete in a world where WWE has some females that are not the same size as Charlotte. Let's go with that. I'm not going to say they're not athletic. It's just you're asking a lot of anyone to catch someone that's six foot tall out of a a backflip. So, of course, it doesn't look as crisp as you want. When she leaps off the top, it looks fine. (laughs) Hey, I agree with you. Now you know which dickheads I'm arguing with on these fucking (laughs) post-WWE stupidity of like like I got an argument with who is better overall between Seth Rollins and Mustafa Ali with someone I love Mustafa Ali but just because you are good at a certain style of cruiserweight 
doesn't mean that you're going to be better at like an AJ Styles or Seth Rollins or Shawn Michaels who can do a little bit of everything and make all of it look good. It's, it's yeah, not, well, I mean, that is the key. What you said is the key is make it look good. You can, you can be the best at doing backflips in the entire world if your opponent doesn't make you look good. It doesn't matter. Charlotte's moonsault's fine. I mean, like, if you want to talk about a bad moonsault, Terry Funk, ECW, that was a bad moonsault. But he still did it, and everyone loved it because it's Terry Funk. So, like, yeah, cut, cut Charlotte some, like, flack. Like, you got to understand, when those giant legs are flying at your head, <laughs> and you're, you know, a 5'9", 5'8", Sasha Banks, like, what are you going to do to catch him? <laughs> like, um, well, see, this is the anti-argument uh, that I would give you for not Jax, in which he almost dropped her on the head. But the argument would be like, maybe they just don't do that spot if they can't, you know, actually do it. So, like, the the thing is, is, is Charlotte can actually just land on her feet. And she does. Every time she does that moonsault, she tries to land on her feet. If she gets caught, it's great. You can always tell she's really happy when she gets caught. But when they miss, she lands on her feet. And to me, that points more to her being a great performer than anything else. Like, <laughs> it's just one of those things, like, yeah, it's a bad spot, but it's like how many females are out there cutting moonsaults to the outside off the top turnbuckle? Very few. I want to bring this argument people that I argue with on the on the on the Facebook WWE thing. I'm I'm just telling you. This is the type of stupidity that Charlotte could fucking go in the ring against AJ Styles and I, I could say it would be a believable match. I think that she is a badass. But I'm just saying this is the type of stupid like little dumb criticisms that make absolutely no sense that people say. That drive me fucking bananas. You know what else drives me? I mean me like what, is, what 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 is the point of having like that argument though? Not, not to call you out, but, like, what is the point of, like, being, like, this female athlete is doing things that no one has ever seen from a female athlete? She's being, because complete, they don't like, like her. basically they, since... They don't like her because they're Becky, Becky fans, and they're stupid and warped that they actually believe that Charlotte's now not a good wrestler or not a superior. It's the same bullshit that they fucking... This is what, you know, Mark do i mean this is what this is why i don't shut my mouth and i always kind of abruptly tell them how ridiculous they're being but it usually doesn't but go I mean, like, because it's to them i feel like it's like it's almost like they're making marks a bad term because marks is just someone that really loves wrestling me and you are both marks it's like do we have to separate marks. it to internet marks <laughs> <laughs> like, or troll marks or something because like no, they're not troll because they're not clever. They're they're literally just ignorant. I mean, how about how about dumbass fucking you know evaluated marksmen that can jump off a cliff? Um, you figure out the yeah, that sounds, that sounds good to me. I guess I don't know, but like Charlotte Flair's moonsault's fine. If that's the only problem you have with the Charlotte Flair match, then you need to watch the rest of Raw because the fucking rest of WWE has lots of botches and is pretty much terrible. Um, at least an hour and a half of it each week is god-awful and terrible. And you're going to shit on Charlotte Flair hitting a moonsault in the pay-per-view? Like, that's what you're going to go to? That's your go-to is, like, being the worst? 
Like, I could fuck up your little boy toy, Seth Rollins and uh, Dean Ambrose and your these people of the world, so to speak. But I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to let it go. I'm just saying. Charlotte Flair hits a bad moonsault. She hits a bad moonsault. <laughs> but she also consistently had the best match at WrestleMania as a female. <laughs> So I don't give a shit if she hits one bad moonsault. I don't. I'm sorry. I feel like you know, Corbin and I, I feel like now and for the the wrestler that like Seth Rollins is a horrible Vince McMahon. Um, it's just it's just so dumb. She like you Charlotte. All right, we're gonna do this now. This is going to happen on the show. It's happening live. Look, Charlotte Flair works her fucking ass off, has great matches, and if she hits a bad moonsault, someone has a problem with it? You guys don't have a problem with the bazillion of botches that, like, other wrestlers have, which happen all the fucking time, but if it's Charlotte Flair, you really got a problem with it? Like, seriously? Get the fuck over yourself. You're not important. You're not important. I'm sorry. Yep. I agree. I completely agree. And, uh, if you, want to say, you can contact both of us on Twitter if you'd like to argue with us. Uh, Chris, uh, due to the fact that I agree with everything he said, and uh, my Twitter, I have no idea what the password is, so I can't get in. So he just speaks on my behalf. All right. Let's you you can hit me at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. <laughs> hit me up. Explain to me how Charlotte Flair is a a bad wrestler in comparison to every other female she's ever wrestled and had, like, really good matches with. Explain that to me, and then I'll leave you alone. I will never once defend her moonsault after that. Let's go for that one. Um, Are are, are you done? Do you get it all on your system? I, I think I got it all on my system. Okay, okay, sorry. I don't blame you. This is how this is how us wrestling fans are, passionate people. I'm surprised I'm not losing my shit today like I normally do. I guess I'm just in this zen mode because um, I don't really know. I have no idea. Uh, maybe I'll start yelling You're at high. some point. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to Dude, someone might tell the cops. All right, let's go to tag team. Uh, number five, I have LAX. Um, I've seen these guys have excellent matches, whether they be crazy fucking hardcore matches in which they take off the top tarp of the ring for some reason exposing against the the OGs, if you will, uh, or just badass tag matches. Uh, the one that they just had with the Lucha Brothers, uh, I like LAX a lot. Um, I think that those two guys, um, Ortiz and I forgot the other guy's name, um, it's going to come to me halfway through this, but I think they have a hell of a lot of potential, and I would love to see a team like that mix it up with either of the Usos. Or actually, no, they had a match, I believe, with um, the Young Bucks, but that was on Jericho's cruise, and we didn't get to see that. Either way, these guys could tear it up with a lot of the guys that are doing some awesome stuff within the industry, and uh, they're one of the things, like Tessica Blanchard, that I look for when I watch uh, Impact once in a while. 
Chris, what do you got for five for tag teams? Five, I have Authors of Pain. I think they're still a great tag team. I think they have bad management. They've been booked wrong, but I think they're great in the ring together. They look amazing. Uh, I don't know. Like, it, it, there must have been a lottery of how you could fuck up a tag team, but <laughs> they're really good, and they're really good together in the ring. So, like, all you have to do is give them a decent manager. Give them Paul Heyman. Uh, but yeah, that was my number five. Authors of Pain. I, th- I think they're great. They they still look great. They still work as a team in the way a tag team should work. Um, and in in a world that's kind of lost, lost, uh, lost on a little bit. You know, like you don't really see like tag teams that are specifically tag teams. Authors of Pain are tag. They are the tag team. They're based. They're basically your, uh, you know, road warriors. Like, uh, they're tag team, tag team. It's not just randomized. It's very specific of what they're trying to do. So they make my number five. Um, I heard that the reason why a lot of people don't like AOP is because Razor does a really bad moonsault. <laughs> oh, shit. Don't get me started on moonsault again. <laughs> Let me tell you about bringing a moonsault. Let me tell you something, Terry brother. Funk, whatever, Terry Funk wants to get a moonsault off a of barbed wire onto Sabu. Nobody complained about that. It was the worst moonsault I ever saw, but people still clap for it. <laughs> hey, you piece of dirt. I'm going to tell you something about my moonsault. You know, Charlotte does them better. All right, my number four is the Usos. Uh, they've had the belt, I believe, twice this year. Uh, they always put on amazing matches. Their mic skills are great. They're entertaining as hell. Uh, the rap battles, just everything. I'm a big fan of the Usos, Rikishi's two sons, Jay and Jimmy. I also love everything that Jimmy's been doing with um, with his wife, Naomi, whose real name is Trinity and sounds a hell of a lot cooler of a wrestling name, but whatever. I guess because you had another wrestler named Trinity for about five seconds. Either way, stupid gripe. But I like their camaraderie. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that the Usos are fucking awesome. Who do you got for number four, dude? The New Day. They fell a little bit only because I, WWE doesn't know what's them. Also, I feel like they should break up. I think Xavier Woods could be a champion if they utilize him right. I think he'd be your Miz. He can be your annoying asshole, specifically on SmackDown. As a heel, he'd be perfect for that role. Uh, but they're my number four, uh, not because of quality and ring work, just because I think they don't know what to do with their characters. It's one of those. But Usos could have easily been also number two best, but they're number four. I'm going to drop them to four. All right, my number three is a little group I would like to say, Shock System. I'm a huge fan of the Undisputed Era, and it doesn't matter which members of this, mainly the O'Reilly, Roderick Strong, but if you can put in Adam Cole, you can put in uh, Bobby Fish. They've had some fucking awesome matches, especially the ones with Mustache Mountain, uh, Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan. Um, they just have these hard-hitting, aggressive matches, and they look incredible in them, and they're badass. Uh, Roderick Strong's had a great year of redefining himself as being the whiny little baby face to being the Tully Blanchard of this new age 
DX meets Four Horsemen group. Um, I think they're fucking awesome. Uh, just like I said, the, the, the one with Mustache Mountain, three matches they have with Mustache Mountain were awesome. And then the, the one match where it was uh, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roderick Strong against uh, British Strong Style at the uh, – I think that was at the uh, the last uh, – the semifinal – or the finals for the UK tournament, I believe. But that was also an awesome tag match. Just great tag team wrestling. And I love throwing in just the craziness – of uh, the War Raiders, um, you know, leading up to war games. I just thought that they they can't do wrong. They really can't because they shocked the system. Chris, what do you got for number three? Uh, my number three is the Briscoes. They're a solid, always a good top five pick. Them boys. Them boys against the Young Bucks and SoCal. I think they had matches. There's just they're just such a great tag team. It's really hard to move them off of this list for other tag teams until some. I think the Briscoes might, when they really try, might be the best tag team. Um, obviously, Ring of Honor didn't give them a whole lot to work with this year. Um, the elite being so big and and SoCal being as big as they were, kind of unexpected, but. Uh, I don't know. I, I still don't understand why the Briscoes aren't WWE doing their gimmick and being the Briscoes that they can be. They're, they're just phenomenal. Great wrestlers. Um, good matches. So that's my number three. The Briscoes. All right. My number two is the Bucks of Youth, a.k.a. Y2. Uh, I forgot what the other name that Jericho made for them. Either way, it's the Young Bucks, man. I mean, they've had outstanding matches against SoCal, against Sonata and Evil, against Tamatanga and Tongalo. You know, I mean, everything that the Jacksons have been doing with Cody and, and, and upping their stocks just ridiculously. Um, their match against the, uh, the Golden Lovers, uh, you know, their match against the Briscoes, they've had some of the best tag team matches this year. And Everything they're doing outside of in the ring is really good for them in professional wrestling. And I have tipped my hats. My number two, the Young Bucks. Who's your number two, man? My number two is the Usos. They've just consistently been good. They work as a tag team. They have great matches. They don't complain. They don't bitch. You always see them as tag champs because they are tag champs. They're people that should represent your title as tag champs. Um, they just—they're just consistently amazing, um, and they do take a little bit from the Young Bucks and the Super, the uh, you know, like basically a Super Kick party into the, you know, their spot where they hit the uh, Super Kick into the uh, oh, was it a Frog Splash? I mean, basically the same thing, but, like, the Usos are so good at it, and they come off so cocky, and they're just a great tag team. The WWE should put the titles on for forever and never take them off, unless they're fighting in the new day. That's actually compelling to me. But, uh, yeah, the Usos, fucking my number two. And the only reason I didn't make them number one is because of my number one. But what's your number one? The actual question. My number one was essentially a super group. I mean, they were a tag team at one time in their careers, but it's the Golden Lovers, uh, mainly because, you know, outside of just the wrestling, the storyline 
between Kenny and, you know, Coda find themselves causing friction with the Bullet Club, inevitably being one of the causes that branches the elite from this whole entire thing in story, at least with Tamatanga getting sick of it and, you know, doing his evil shit that never ended up really panning out, but that's okay. But just them bouncing each other. <laughs> it's true. You guys didn't Sorry. shit with that. It, 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 it went from one thing to it being about Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega, and that was kind of scrapped. And for some reason, Tamatanga just made no DQ matches throughout the whole entire G1. Really great shit. That's, that's my biggest gripe towards Gato and his uh, booking. I usually love New Japan's booking, but thought they dropped the ball there. But whatever. It doesn't matter. Kota Ibushi. Kenny Omega, their matches that they had to, with each other against the Young Bucks and other matches throughout the whole entire thing. I thought that uh, the one uh, they just recently had, I they're, they're incredible in the ring. They're, they're just um, a spectacle to watch as far as being a tag team. So they're my number one. Um, and then I'll pass it to you for your number one, but real quick, I just want to also mention the New Day, the Bar, Mustache Mountain, and the Lucha Brothers. Um, and I'll, th- I'll throw Birch and Lorcan for having that badass, hard-hitting match that they had with the, uh, the Undisputed Era. It impressed me. AOP as well. Uh, just not AOPP. AOP. Uh, Chris, what do you got for your number one? And any honorable mentions you got? My honorable mention is Bar. I think you guys are doing a good job holding it down. I just wish that you were both singing competitors because you're so great already. And uh, it's, it's cool that they've been holding down the tag team so long, but I really just – I just expect, expected more out of Cesaro. Not necessarily Seamus, but Cesaro, I expected more than just, like, tag team competitors. So I, I'd like to see those guys get split up, break or something. I think they're both top talent, like top, top, top tier talents, both of them. Um, even though I'm not a huge Seamus fan, I think he can be a great heel. So they make my list, but they don't make my list because I don't buy them as a tag team. So the bar, honorable mention, the bar. <laughs> my number one with a bullet, the Young Bucks. They had one of the best tag team matches I've seen in all my life with the Golden Elite. And I don't consider the Golden Elite a tag team because they're like a... It's a weird thing with Kenny and Coda, so I don't... Didn't really consider them a tag team. It's like a, it's a relationship they build with each other every once in a while. and It just goes south. So I don't consider them a tag team. But the Young Bucks, I think they had a great match. I think uh, Matt and Nick played that match perfectly. And, and, as good as you could play that match, especially with the hurt back, the you know the back injury and the way they played that up, it was. I mean, it's just it was one of the best matches of the year. It didn't make my top five, but it came about it. It probably should. Uh, it was fucking really great. And uh, the Young Bucks consistently on this list of best tag teams. There's no way around it. They're they're a tag team. They're the Midnight Express. They're they're everything you would expect a tag team to be. And they, like, I like tag team wrestling because I like tag team wrestling. I like them to be in sync with each other and do things together. And like, that's why I like the Usos and the New Day. They're, it's, a, it's very, uh, 
simpatico as far as like how they wrestle. Same thing with the Briscoes. Um, so the Young Bucks are that times like twelve. Like some <laughs> like the Meltzer driver, for instance, which is a great fucking name for a move in general. But <laughs> they're just they're always on sync. And especially I thought they really showed out um when they went against Kenny Omega and Ibushi. I thought that was a great match. I thought that was the best tag team match I have seen in a very, very long time. Probably oh well, not I don't want to say very, very long time because the Usos versus New Day was really good, but Let's say a long time, and I thought they had a great match, and they're number one on my list as far as tag team goes. And it's going to be really hard to knock them off that pedestal. Rest of tag teams are listening to the show because the young folks, there's something special. <laughs> yep, I they're they're a very elite class of wrestlers, but <laughs> all right. We got a couple more things. We want to go over our top matches, and then also what we feel is our top up-and-coming stars for next year. But before we do that, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of information about one of our sponsors, Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Um, maybe if it's not so much an impotence issue, you know, you were able to go longer for your lady friend, or maybe, you know, you just – want to be a freak and have that extra, you know, uh, workout, if you will, uh, right before you're about to get with your day. Either or, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work to t- up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises, if you get what I'm saying. Um, I will say that whether this has been something spontaneous where I, you know, I've been dating this chick and we've, we've been uh, enjoying each other's company, and so I knew it was going to go to a certain level or a potential would be, so I tried one and we had a great evening, let's just put it that way. Um, I also would say that I take personally a medication. There's lots of stuff. Maybe it's for blood pressure or, or many other things where if you mix it with alcohol, it could cause some, some, some issues, if you will. Not had one problem uh, with this. Let's just put it that way. So I'm just saying, think about this. You take all those herbal supplements for each part of your body, your brain, your heart, all intelligent. This is one for your member, your, 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 your guy downstairs, if you will. The, the dude sleeping in the basement. Get him up. Get him ready with Blue Chew. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting for the pharmacy, and best of all, no more fucking awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. When you use the special promo code GVN, just pay $5 for shipping. That's it. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code GVN, Geek Vibes Nation. That's what GVN stands for. To try it free. Bluetooth is better, cheaper, faster, and the right choice, and we thank them so much for sponsoring this podcast. All right. 
now that we we're all crazy and then ready and going because of all that blue chew talk, Chris, let's let's take it and apply it towards talking about our top five favorite matches of this last year. So I will start off this countdown. This is really hard, guys. I'm literally we're gonna go over our top five, and then I have a list of matches that I researched and watched good portions of all of them. Uh, just to replay my memory and try to figure out my favorite wrestling matches. Uh, so we'll we'll go over the top five, and then I'll list all the other ones. And if me and Chris think of anything to say about those ones, well, we'll, we'll say it. We'll, we'll say what we can. All right. First one. Uh, this, to me, was an awesome match. I watched it with my parents, uh, and we were, like, tanked during this pay-per-view. My dad hadn't watched wrestling since the 90s. My mom since the early 80s when she was pregnant with me. And coincidentally, after she gave birth to me, never liked it again. But the display of athleticism between Adam Cole and Ricochet at TakeOver Brooklyn 4, I think was an amazing match. Adam going in the champion, being the pompous Ric Flair, I'm better than you, who is this guy, you know, this white meat baby face. The, the, the Ric Flair-esque to Ricochet being the badass, wrestler that can do some crazy stuff. Your your ally Ricky Steamboat within the build up between the two of them. And Ricochet finally taking the belt. I already talked about it beforehand, but that spot where Adam Cole super kicks Ricochet in the throat doing a moonsault. The uh spot at the end of it where Ricochet runs at Adam Cole that's on the apron and projects over, giving him a hurricane rana to the floor to the outside. I watched the match uh, yet last night, and it was it still was amazing. Had me glued to it, um, and I watched it two times before then, live and one. And I always know that, like movies, if I like a movie, if I like a match, I'm going to watch it a second time. So, really enjoy this match, Chris. What was your number five? My number five was WWE Evolution 2018. Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. I thought it was a great time for Becky to win the title. I think she was on the very hot streak. I think it was just overall a great match between two very, very fierce individuals. Uh, It's just hard to even talk about the match because it's a little emotional. Uh, just, Just seeing... Such a great performance. It, it made it, it, like obviously it made my top five matches of the year. So really good. It's one that people should go back to. It's one that should be remembered. It is one of the best female wrestling matches I've ever seen. Clues like Sasha and Charlotte and all that. But such a great match. <clears throat> so that that is my number five. Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair, last woman's team. Now, the attempt at a moonsault from Charlotte didn't deter you away from that wrestling match? No, it turns out, you know, last woman standing match, moonsaults are one spot in the entire match of things that happen that people shouldn't give a shit about. I mean, motherfuckers love seeing punk. And he can't do an elbow drop. So, <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. Yeah, we got a lot to go into. We got. Sorry, I'm sorry. I thought I was funny. Oh my god! All right. Compose uh, myself. When CM Punk can hit a good elbow drop, no. When CM Punk can hit a good elbow drop, 
you internet nerds, come see me, and then you can talk about how Charlotte can't hit a moonsault. CM Punk, CM Punk. This is going to be a great running, <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> you know, inside joke throughout the series. All right, my number four is Kota Bushi <laughs> versus, no, it's not Kenny Omega. It's actually Hiroshi Tanahashi, the G1 final. I'm going to be honest with you. Did I think Ibushi and Omega was incredible? Yes, but it scared the fuck out of me. Much like the Ibushi-Naito match, it's just like some of that stuff was kind of hard to watch. Tanahashi and Ibushi had going in, they had this respect level where Ibushi has always aspired to be Tanahashi. Uh, they, they beat the living shit out of each other, literally. The strikes toward the end of the, you know, going back and forth, Kota Ibushi kind of like dropping to a knee, the dramatics. Uh, all the, uh, I mean, the fact that Tanahashi is working at this level at his age is incredible. And Kota's a great person to be a dance partner for. And, yeah, it took it took three high-five flows at the end, one to the ground of him on his back, one with Kota standing up, and then a third one, just normal, uh, you know, frog splash. Just the detail also of Tanahashi working the knee to get ready for the Texas Cloverleaf. Just a great fucking match. That's my number four. Chris, what's your number four? <laughs> my number four is basically the same thing you said, but uh, Abushi versus Omega G1. I think it was very important. It was great to see the Golden Lovers kind of, uh, I said Golden League earlier, but Golden Lovers have not their breakup party, but the collide that we all wanted with Kota and Kenny. And I think they worked one hell of a match. Uh, especially considering how long and grueling the G1 is. I, I thought it was one of the best matches I've seen the entire year. And uh, I kind of look forward to seeing it again in the future. And with with ho- hopefully with Kenny still having the title and Cody or Kota Bushi finally getting his run um, as champ. Because I think he deserves it at Japan. And maybe I'm crazy, but I, I think that he could take that title and run with it and be their top star for a while, especially with Tanahashi dialing it back and Okada kind of in the wings. So um, it was a great match. There, I can't think of any bad spot match. Uh, they were just really on their shit. And I wouldn't expect anything less from those two performers, but they really dialed it up, especially in a tournament that really sucks the life out of every competitor that's in it. And I mean, every night they try to go out and have a five-star match, and I think those guys actually did have a five-star match um, in the G1, which is really hard. Generally. Yep. Uh, my number three was your number five, uh, even due to a uh, moonsault. I don't even know if they had a moonsault in that fucking match specifically. I'm sure they did at some point. Becky... Versus Charlotte, last woman standing at Evolution. I thought that it was an incredible match. I just rewatched it right before uh, we went on air, actually, um, probably about an hour before. But um, incredible match. Both women lay it all on the line. I love the, you know, them doing different things, even though it didn't really work. The, uh, you know, trying to do the uh, figure four through the, the uh, ladder in order to mess up uh, Becky's legs some more. They had that first. Spot on the announce table with Becky jumping off of it through Charlotte, you know, and then the ending, just a crazy ending of having the power bomb to the outside of the ring from the top, you know, ring post. Charlotte just 
she they're, they're they're both nuts. Charlotte's great at putting her body on the line. Both great athletes. An amazing match. What was your number three? My number three. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm here. Uh, my number three was uh, God. God, this is so hard to judge. There's so many good matches on my list. Uh, my number three was Takeover, the ladder match. Six was a uh, six-way ladder match. You had uh, EC3, Killian Dane, Lars Sullivan. I think Ricochet was there. Velveteen Dream, Gargano and Ciampa. Uh, or not Gargano and Ciampa, but... Uh, Rich and Milton Dream. That was just such a great match, and it was such a, a display of what Ricochet could do. And him and Velveteen Dream, they worked the ring phenomenally together. They really kind of owned what they were doing. Um, Lars Sullivan played the big dummy. He was good at that role. Uh, and then you have the, the standoff with... Uh, EC3 and Ricochet. There's just so many good moments in that match, but specifically, Belting and Ricochet going against each other was like, this is the future of what wrestling should be. Um, the athleticism, what they were able to pull off, and just further, like, further is going to go to one of our topics later of Belting Dream and what he was able to accomplish, because I think that was I think that match was fucking phenomenal. I know there were some people that didn't like it as much as I did, but as far as ladder match goes, especially the six-way ladder match, and the fact that Killian Dane and Lars Olin was there, and Ricochet and Velveteen Jr., was, they were able to pull out. Uh, very, very, very incredible. Like, great. Both great athletes. But, uh, yeah, and Adam Cole went to that. Oh yeah, Adam Cole. Yeah, I'm not looking. Yeah, that wasn't great. I love that. <laughs> it was a great match. It was a lot of fun. Everyone got their their shit in. EC3 was the workhorse somehow in that where he took like the worst bumps out of anyone in the whole entire fucking thing. But uh, yeah, Adam he Cole. Kevin, he was the he, he was definitely the Kevin Owens of that match. <laughs> Unfortunately for him. So uh, they're like, hey, are you are you Kevin Owens? <laughs> Welcome to the floor, nerd. <laughs> yeah, no shit. All right, number two. They had two matches that I think are, are both considered great matches between them. But to me, Chuck and Gargano, their second fight at TakeOver Chicago, uh, street fight. Another match I watched with my parents, just uh, hanging out and getting toasty. Um so weird, like, you know, I got my parents into wrestling because of NXT. That's whatever. But either way, this one, my dad legitimately thought Tommaso Ciampa actually hurt himself. It was, like, very, very concerned about what we were watching. <laughs> and just a great match. The fact that they did so much. They go out in the audience. You have one part where Johnny Gargano runs down the railing to the top section and jumps and just annihilates Tommaso Ciampa, fucking up his elbow in the process. It goes all over the arena. They go back to the, the, the top part, do that, that uh, I forgot what the hell it's called, but the the, the maneuver that Tomas Ciampa and Johnny Gargano do where their bodies over them like a backpack, legs coming out, they have their head wrapped in their arm, and then they just fall through several tables. And then getting back to the ring where the exposed wood was for that um, 
that uh, low-hanging uh, DDT from Tommaso Ciampa to Gargano, making Johnny Wrestling lose and giving Tommaso Ciampa a title shot. Um, Chris, what do you got for your number two? Honestly, I, I think that your number two is really good as well. My number two is also Gargano versus Ciampa. At, uh, I had the unsanctioned match, the first match with them at, uh, with the NXT TakeOver New Orleans. Um, just a great match. I mean, those guys are phenomenal against each other. And, and Ciampa playing it up with the uh, crutch and the left brace and then really just bringing it to Gargano the entire match until the very end. Uh, was great. Like uh, I thought the ending was a little screwy of that match. Is the only reason it probably didn't make my number one because I feel like all of their matches end a little screwy. Um, but just what it was a phenomenal match, a great payoff. You got to see uh, the cast or the uh, creds get turned around. You got to see uh, them both going after each other as hard as possible. Um, Beard was fierce as fuck. <laughs> so, it was a good yeah. match all around. But uh, yeah, I mean, it just—it was a good. If you're a Gargano fan, it was a good payoff and and a fun match in general. Champa is like one of the best heels in the business right now. That's why he made my top ten. Like he's fucking great. Um, hopefully they use him right, but. Any of though any of their matches in general could have made this list. I picked the the first the, that that particular one I picked, but I don't think you're wrong on picking yours. I think that could have all that may have knocked you know Becky and Charlotte off, but it would be ridiculous to put the, the same two people on the list twice. All right. Number one, let's both say at the same time because I'm pretty sure we have the same thing on three. One, two, three. David Arquette versus Omega versus Okada. Two out of three falls Dominion. <laughs> oh wait, yours wasn't David Arquette versus Nick Gage in the in the in the death match. Uh, oh no. shit! It wasn't. <laughs> Damn it! I'm just kidding. kidding. David Omega. Arquette. <laughs> versus well yeah, boy Kabuchika Okada <laughs> the king of kings the, the man that makes it rain favorite. money no. <laughs> this, this is my third favorite the first one the second one this one and then the G1 but they're all great fucking matches they're all incredible <laughs> incredible matches I loved uh, just everything about this. The, the throwbacks to before, but, you know, the, both the wrestlers getting smarter about each one's uh, attacks and, and tactics and kind of screwing them over. One example is when Okada's outside, Kenny goes to do the run into the guardrail and then backflip, and Okada takes out his legs. They had lots of stuff like that throughout this whole match. Obviously, Okada gets a roll-up uh, for the first part. Uh, the one wing angel helps Kenny win the second one, and then Kenny wins the third. Uh, just a brutal, brutal fucking match between the two guys. Um, yeah, I don't know how you could pick a better match uh, for this year, honestly. Uh, Chris, sounds like you got something similar. Uh, why don't you gush about this match? Oh my God, it's got to be one of the best matches I've ever seen. It's it's up there. 
I mean, I love their first match. Their first match was incredible, but this was everything you wanted. It was the combination of Kenny never being quite able to beat Okada and then finally beating him in the best uh, two out of three match. And just so many good spots. Uh, God, I, I, I don't know. Just watch the match. If you're a wrestling fan and you're listening to this and you have not seen this match, you should go watch it. It is one of the greatest. I will put this in my top ten greatest matches of all time. It's that fucking good. It's really good. And I don't, I don't just willy-nilly, I've watched a lot of wrestling. I don't willy-nilly throw matches in the top ten. This is one of them. It was amazing, and Okada was amazing, and Omega was amazing, as you would expect. Uh, but they, I mean, just the build-up what they did with those other matches and and Kenny never being able to get over the cliff. His slow climb to that title, the title that meant so much to him, the reason he didn't leave to go to WWE was just so incredible. So finally seeing him win it uh, was very much the Jim Ross moment when Shawn Michaels wins the title in the Iron Man match. And he goes, the boyhood dream has finally came true. It's like that. It was that emotional, especially if you're a Kenny Omega fan. Definitely check it out. It's, I mean, check out all of them. Just set aside your entire day to watch all of Kenny Omega versus Okada. You won't regret it if you love wrestling. And, uh, and then learn why it was so important for Omega to win that match and, and just how well it was done and how great both of that the reason why they were number one and number two on my list interchangeably. Like you could you could literally interchange those two. I, I think Okada is the best wrestler in the entire world. Um, hands down. Uh Omega's got a little something extra going with him right now. So that's why he made number one, but this easily the best match of the entire year and will continue to be the best match until, you know, Okada and Omega fight again. Yeah. Some really, really good stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with everything that you just said, man. I mean, I really do. Uh, and also, after you're done watching the four matches with them, if you really want to get a good comprehension on the best of wrestling, go back and watch the trilogy with Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair. And they also have a fourth match in 92 in WCW that's pretty damn good as well. Those are, you know, those are some good matches. Sit down. Chill the fuck out. Go watch Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask. They have, like, three outstanding matches. There's a lot of good wrestling out there. I'm just saying. And especially if you haven't watched Kenny Omega and Okada, which, Juwan, I'm pretty much talking to you. I don't know that anymore, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's changed. Things haven't changed. All right. So, guys, and, and just to let you know, uh, both me and Chris's choices are on this list. But so I look like I know what I'm talking about. I want to give you guys a list of stuff I wrote down for, for uh, this year. I also noticed while looking at this that there are two guys that I wanted to give a big shout-out to, Hiromu Takahashi and Roman Reigns. Uh, both those guys have some pretty big career-threatening and life-threatening stuff that had happened to them. Roman, unfortunately, getting diagnosed with cancer and uh, Takahashi breaking his neck. In a, in a vicious match against Dragon Lee, which, I mean, this could go on this list, but I feel like it's bad taste to put that on there because of the ending. 
uh, they had better matches where even though they were dangerous, they didn't do stuff that ended one of their careers. So either way, outside of that, um, here is some matches. And Chris, pay attention. If you see any of these you want to talk about, we can definitely do that. Um, from the Mae Young Classic 2, the match is Rhea Ripley versus Io Shirai. And Miko, Mako Satomura versus Tony Storm especially was a fucking incredible match. Uh, Roman Reigns actually against Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam, where, where Braun started it, was an awesome match where finally Roman was able to defeat Brock. Becky versus Asuka versus Flair at TLC. The uh, gauntlet match where Ra- Rollins went all the way. Uh, Andretti Cien Almos versus Johnny Gargano at the TakeOver. Undisputed Era versus British Strong Style at the UK Tournament Finale. Uh, Oscar versus Flair. Absolutely. Uh, Gargano versus Ciampa. Let's talk about that tag match. Yeah, let's talk about that tag match. Out of of the ones you're going to name, brutal, hard-hitting tag match. Pete Dunne easily could have been in my top ten wrestlers. He is phenomenal. Uh, Fucking easily could be a superstar. Pushed right. Uh, Just overall... A great, great match. Like, fucking phenomenal. Yeah. And just those guys, I don't know, they they all perform at such a high level, and they really just brought it. We had the match where uh, Mustache Mountain lost the titles to Undisputed Era previously because uh, basically Trent Seven uh, couldn't get out of a, what is it, the hammerlock. A uh, place from Kyle O'Reilly and Tyler Bate ended up throwing in the towel for him. And this comeback match was hard-hitting. I'm pretty sure Bruce Strongstyle ended up winning, but just a badass match and one of the best things about the U.K. tournament uh, in general, honestly. And it wasn't a bad tournament. Definitely wasn't as good as the first, but this match stands out probably the most, I would say, out of anything on that ending card or possibly throughout the whole entire tournament of matches. Um do, do the same thing. If you hear Matchman, just let me just tell me to stop. We went over the Gargano Chapa trilogy, um, so I don't think we have to do it again. Tanaha- or, uh, yeah, Tanahashi versus Okada. They had another trilogy of matches. One at uh, G1, one at uh, Duntaku, and then, God, that was hard. Destruction and uh, Kobe, all of them were excellent matches. Okada versus Zack Sabre Jr. at Sakura Genesis. Kota Bushi versus that Tanahashi. That was great. That was a great match. Zack Sabre Jr. versus Okada. It was a mentor match, I think, if I remember correctly. Did they do a mentor gimmick on that one? That was, it was the one with very the Will much. Oh, okay. All right, I'm thinking of Will Austin. Okay. Never mind. Never mind. thinking of a different match. That was Continue a great for... match. I think, that... I think that was in 2017, <laughs> but that was a great match. Um yeah, but Kota Ibushi versus Tanahashi if you won finals. AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan at TLC was a great match. Okada versus Kenny Omega, obviously at Dominion. Naito versus uh, Ishii at uh, G1. Goto versus Ishii at uh, G1 Day 6. Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey at SummerSlam. Walter versus Tyler Blake at Progress. Gargano versus Black at War Games. The War Games match itself, uh, Dream versus Champa, and also Dream versus Ricochet at two different. Uh, one was at um, one was at War Games, the other one was at a Takeover. Ibushi versus Ishii at G1 Day 10. 
Osprey versus Marty Skrull at Sakura Genesis. That was a fucking crazy match. That's the one where Osprey busted his head trying to do the uh, Spanish fly off the apron. Holy shit. Uh, Ishimori versus Takahashi at the junior um, heavyweight uh, tournament, uh, which Takahashi would win. Uh, Omega versus Naito at G1 uh, Day 2. Nick Aldis versus Cody at All In. Pentagon versus Kenny Omega at All In. Pentagon versus Sammy Callahan. Um, uh, Alistair Black versus Johnny Gargano, Steel Cage, Kenny Omega versus Kota Bushi, G1 Day 18, Okada, it, Naito. I don't, I don't wrestle kick. I don't know if this is on either of our lists, but uh, Cody winning the title for Magnus, the NWA title, special moment. Just specifically, not that great of a Absolutely. match, but one we should mention because he won the NWA title. It was a big deal, just because. The American dream, baby, if you will. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that Nick Aldis versus Cody at All In was one of the my, the match I listed for what you said. For that ending, oh, I, it was I very similar. No, you're good. It was very similar in aspects to watching Kenny win. Obviously, the match quality was very much more old school and different, not as good, per se. But the feeling that you got of seeing him get that title was pretty goddamn magical. And you only had a couple of, uh, you know, times between Aleister Black winning the title and Kenny winning the title where I felt something uh, more so or than, than, than I usually do, basically, uh, for sure. Um, and then, yeah, there's a couple more. Okada versus Naito at Wrestle Kingdom. Omega versus Y2J at Wrestle Kingdom. Ishii versus Omega, G1, Day 14. Uh, Tanahashi versus Suzuki at New Beginnings, the Golden Lovers versus the Young Bucks at Strong Style Evolved, and Y2J versus Naito at Dominion. All those great, incredible fucking matches. I probably missed about 6,000 of them. But do you have anything that else out of that list that kind of stuck out to you? No, but, like, I mean, anyone that listens to that list, there's four or five names to pay attention to. Omega, Kata. Edo, Ishii, <laughs> so on and so forth of like people who had great ass matches last year. And uh, props to Jericho, he gets our uh, gets our number one love in our heart award the year for Chris Pat. Uh, no shit, get fit himself, change himself, wrestle a different style in a different country. And still be a complete badass. You go, Chris Jericho. The Iron Man also goes to you. <laughs> not only that, but the Jericho Cruz showing up at All In. You know, uh, he he's done a lot. I would also, in a much smaller way, revitalizing revitalizing his career. PCO, you know, and just building himself, and going from a guy that no one knew to, to Frankenstein that does fucking flips over the top ropes at, like, what, 6'3"? Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's been a damn, damn good year. Um, oh, man, you know, before we go into this Jer- ending part to talk about the top five. I mean, Jericho gets lifetime. Is- does he get our Lifetime Achievement Award, Jericho? Lifetime Achievement Award? Absolutely. Absolutely. To Jericho? All right. He lifetime Achievement Award. He goes to Jericho, number one with a bullet. Number one, the bullet. All right, um, yeah, um, Jericho, 
we're going to start this now. He is now in this year's class for um, Lifetime Achievement. Uh, good job, Jericho. You win the award from the Geeks Alliance. Uh, but uh, either, either or, you know, I was going to ask you, from top to bottom, what was your favorite and your least favorite um, pay-per-views this year? If you can think of it off the top of your head. I, I, for one, now that I'm thinking about it, I think Dominion was my favorite. Or All In. It's kind of hard between the two of those. And my least fucking favorite probably was Triple Mania. That was terrible. Um, night 16 is G1, where Ibushi and, uh, I think it was night, to, night 16. Basically, the G1 where um, you had Omega versus Ibushi. I think that was, like, the tits. Um, outside of that, NXT TakeOver New Orleans was really, really great. I think that's one that everyone should watch. And, uh, I mean, right off the rip, those are my two. Like, those are the two that you should definitely go back and watch because there's some good matches. I'm going to now now crown you your least favorite, even though I'm pretty sure you didn't watch that. If you did, probably help with what I did. Evolution. Uh, Evolution minus Charlotte. Uh, and Becky's match, the rest of that paper was terrible. Unfortunately, people competitors involved in that paper. You thought it was terrible. And uh, whatever that Kings, uh, whatever the hell they did where Shane McMahon became the greatest wrestler of all, all time. That's Crown Jewel. Right line. Yeah, Crown Jewel. <laughs> Crown best wrestler of all time, Shane McMahon. Easily winning over The Miz, an actual professional wrestler. Well, it's creating a great storyline now, isn't it? All right, before uh, we go, though, real quick, one is a kind of five prospects for wrestler performers that we think are going to do great in the next year. Uh, but I don't think we have enough time to count them down, but we can kind of just list them. Um, my five for me is Aleister Black. Four is Seth Rollins. Uh, t- three is Becky. Number two is Velveteen Dream. And number one's kind of cheating, but the elite. And what I mean by that is the Bucks, Cody, Omega, they're going to lead and do whatever. I think that Aleister Black's going to have a huge year next year, especially when he goes to Maine. Velveteen Dream, if Becky is their chance of being a modern Austin, I've said this a lot, the Dream is an androgynous Dwayne Johnson's The Rock character. And I think that he can have that charismatic, top, talking shit, kind of balances between heel and baby face perfectly. Seth Rollins, I think, is going to have a great year, especially if the rumors are true with him and Brock Lesnar for the title. And uh, Becky, she's going to be on fire. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that she's hot fire for a good time. Uh, Chris, who, who do you got for people that you think are going to be Number one, Kazuchika Okada. I think his contract ends soon. I think that he will do huge stuff wherever he goes. Number one is Okada. Number two, John Cena. The John Cena comeback tour will happen. It's going to be fierce. Just wait for it. Becky Lynch is my number three. My number four, Velveteen Dream. If anyone messes up his career, I swear to God, I will watch him. Because he Biggest superstar of all time, uh, if they look right. And number five, 
Adam Cole, baby. I think Adam Cole, his crew, can do some really cool stuff on the main roster. They just got to be put in the right spot and booked the right way. Yeah, and I just want to mention some of the following for people I think also are going to have a great year next year. Brian Cage, Jeff Cobb, Matt Riddle, Daniel Bryan, Bianca Belair, AJ Styles, Kazuchika Okada, Kota Ibushi, Moose, Pentagon, Walter, Tyler Bate, Will Ospreay, Tony Storm, uh, Amber Moon, and Adam Cole in the Undisputed Era. I think all of them are going to do phenomenal. Chris, did I miss anyone that, that you could think of also being an honorable mention? Off the rip, Johnny Gimmick name. John Morrison. Name John Morrison might find himself back in the WWE. Hidden split legged moves off like a champ and winning titles. So I'm going to go with John Morrison. I'm a whole bunch of Also, why is he like a superstar at the same time? I definitely like it. I dig. Well, guys, that's been the show. I'm glad that you guys enjoyed yourselves. Um, got plenty more for next year. Um, I don't think we'll have a show next week. Uh, we'll probably be starting up after. Well, maybe we will because Wrestle Kingdom is. No, no, no. That's right. So we'll we'll start off uh, the following week, the following Wednesday, seven, and it will be obviously the week after Wrestle Kingdom, which is this next weekend, and we'll go over Wrestle Kingdom. And uh, I'm excited to start next year and hope that 2019 is better than 2018, even though 2018 was pre damn. Remember to check out gvnation.com. That's GV as in geekvibesnation.com for our website that brings you all the information and news for Geek Vibes Nation. We have all news and articles for various stuff between sports, wrestling, uh, video games, and comic book movie news, all that stuff, as well as links to our Instagram, our Facebook, our Twitter, and, uh, you know, just pretty much everything. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Chris, say goodbye to the good people and wish them a happy new year. Good night, everyone. You guys have a happy new year. You can hit me up at Chris R. Pat on Twitter so you can yell about CM Punk and Charlotte Flair's books all, even though, like, CM Punk is way worse. Way worse. But I love you guys. You guys have a happy new year. We love you over at Geek Vibes. Check all of our stuff out. Check out our sponsors. Check out my, our wonderful website. Join what's going to be in a dominating year for Geek Vibes. Thank you guys so much. And that's all i got to say. And that's the bottom line. Just don't go so. Peace out. Hey, monkeys, it's me, D-D-P, Diamond Dallas Page, the king of Bada Bing, the master of Diamond Cutter, the three-time world champion professional wrestler, WWE Hall of Famer, and CEO and founder of DDP Yoga. And you, monkeys, well, you're listening to Geek Vibes Nation. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Geek Vibes be with you and peace out.